we'll open in prayer, and then we'll, we'll jump in tonight to our study. So, Father, we thank you tonight for this time that we have. We, Father, thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ and for, Lord, this church that you have given to us, Father, to love and support one another. Father, we do pray tonight, Lord, for Tiffany as she's going through this second time of going and not being a good match. Father, we pray that you would comfort her, Father, um, Lord, be, be an encourage, encourager to her, Lord, by your spirit. Um, she continues to, to work through this. And, um, Father, we do pray for Mike as he goes for the colonoscopy. Lord, we, um, we do pray that it would be uh, routine and everything would come out um, and, and there would be no issues there. Father, we, uh, we pray tonight for our, our study, our time together. We thank you for Dr. Beakey and for the work that he's done and, and put into this. And we pray, uh, Lord, that you would teach us this evening, and so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, so <clears throat> tonight we're going to continue to look at the topic of um, topic of assurance and uh, th this idea of knowing that we are in Christ. Can we have confidence and assurance to know that we are His? And so this is a study put together by uh, Dr. Joel Beakey, and, and we've looked at, so far, we've looked at the definition of assurance and what that means. We've looked at the reasons um, that, that a believer might not have assurance and what could be the, the issue there. We've, we've looked at the, the biblical basis and the normalcy of assurance. And um, so the title of tonight's lesson is Divine Promises, um, Divine Promises promises that God has made to us in his word. Um, and so last time we began to talk about uh, what many have called the greatest writing on the doctrine of assurance that we have, and it's section 18, uh, chapter 18 in the Westminster Confession of Faith. And in this chapter, there are actually four different paragraphs. And so last week we looked at paragraph Number one, and, and the possibilities of assurance. So um, we looked at, first of all, a person can have false assurance. So this is a non-believer who actually has assurance when they should not. Uh, secondly, we looked at someone can have true assurance. So this is a believer who should and does have assurance that they are in Christ. That it's, it's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's where we want to be. And thirdly, we looked at that someone can have a lack of assurance. So this is a believer who should have assurance, but for some reason that they don't experience this assurance in the Christian life. And so tonight we're going to pick up there actually um, in the next paragraph, in paragraph two, looking at the grounds of assurance. In other words, what's the basis of our assurance? What do we base our assurance on? What's the, the foundation of our assurance. And again here we see three points. We, our, our assurance is based on the promises of God in Christ Jesus. 
It's based on inward evidences of our heart. Uh, as we examine our hearts and, and look at them and then look in Scripture at places like 1 John, um, and we can compare those, see if there's evidence there that we're in Christ. And third, on the inward testimony of the Holy Spirit. Um, now, it is important to note that um, these three points are actually not all equal. Um, and this is uh, something that, that we want to be sure to, to point out and understand. So the primary, the, the prominent point is the first one, the promises of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, th- this point is objective, right? It's outside of us. It's, it's independent of our thoughts or our feelings or our perspectives or our opinions on anything. The, the promises of God are the promises of God. He's given them to us in His Word, and they're true. That's the primary grounds of assurance. The other two grounds of assurance mentioned here, they, they are important. They're very important, and we're going to talk about them and, and work through them, but they're not primary. Um, both the examination of our hearts for the inward evidence of grace and the testimony of the Holy Spirit to our hearts are subjective. Um, they happen within us, and because of uh, sin and how it has affected our minds and our hearts and our ability to understand, um, we are are susceptible to not evaluating or or understanding these things correctly. And so the the last two, as we said, are important. But the primary foundation that we have in our assurance of faith is found in the promises of God in Christ Jesus. So we're going to look, starting tonight, at what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yet yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And so tonight, we're going to look at these promises of God in Christ Jesus. Um, We're going to look at these promises and how He has uh, fulfilled these promises, how we enjoy uh, these promises through His Son and in our union with Him. We're going to have quite a few quotes tonight from the Puritans and the first one is by uh, Thomas Brooks and he wrote this divine promises are God's deed of gift they are the only assurance which the saints must show for their right and title to Christ to his blood and to all the happiness and blessedness that comes by him the promises are not only the food of faith but also the very life and soul of faith They are a mine of rich treasures, a garden full of the choicest and sweetest flowers. In them are wrapped up all celestial contentments and delights. 
So the promises of God are the, the foundation, the basis of all happiness and contentment and delight that we find in Christ in this life and ultimately in the life to come. And so we're going to look at um, what Dr. Beeky has called the implications for the promises of God on our experience of assurance. So in other words, what effect do these objective promises of God have on our subjective experience of the peace and joy of knowing that we are indeed children of God, that we're in Him and He is in us? And so we're going to look at um, some points here tonight regarding this. The first thing we see is that we gain and experience assurance primarily by looking to Christ as He is revealed in the promises of the Gospel. Again, when we look at this, we're not looking at how we feel or what we think or what we perceive. We look to what we know of the promises of God in His Word, what He has communicated to us. And we know that we can rest on the promises of God because of who He is. His attributes. He is faithful. He is trustworthy. Um, Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says, He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. What He has said He will do, He will do. The verses that we read earlier in 2 Corinthians says, Surely as God is faithful. He is faithful, therefore we can trust in Him. He will do it. And we see uh, from Scripture these promises that we have that help to give to us and, and to strengthen our assurance. Malachi 3.6 For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. He does not change. Jeremiah 31 I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore I have continued my faithfulness to you. God's electing love is eternal. Romans 11, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. They stand. Hebrews chapter 6, there we read, So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, in which it's impossible for God to lie. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It is a hope, and it enters into the very presence of God. Hebrews chapter 10. There we read, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. 
with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. 1 Corinthians 2, you see the sovereignty of the Spirit's application of the work of Christ. There Paul writes, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Now we receive not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So again, the objective promises of God revealed to us in His Word must be the primary basis of assurance for the believer, the the sure and the steadfast anchor of the soul, as Hebrews 6 said. I'll share one last promise tonight of God um, on which we can base our assurance, and it's found in Philippians 1. Paul writes, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The second implication that we see for the promises of God on our experience of assurance is this. As assurance grows, God's promises become increasingly real to the believer, personally and experientially. So this means that that God's uh, promises and the experiences of assurance strengthen one another. It's a a two-way street. It's a a mutual relationship, right? You kind of of think about it like this, right? Our, Our assurance is grounded on the promises of God. And as our assurance of our faith grows, our experience of, of those promises grows deeper and it grows deeper and it keeps going. And, and so it, it goes on until we reach this full assurance that Hebrews talks about. These two things work together, the promises and assurance. Again, the, the Puritan Thomas Goodwin, he wrote about the promises of God, and he said this, If one promise belongs to thee, my friend, then all do. For every promise conveys the whole Christ, in whom all the promises are made, and who is the substance of them all. Or as Paul wrote to the Corinthians, all the promises of God find their yes in him. Because the promises and and the blessings of God come to us, as believers, through our union together with His Son and Him being in us and us being in Him, then if one of the promises are true, then all of them are true. But in, in our reflection on and our focus is on the promises of God for our assurance, it's good to not forget a very vital point and uh, again, here, Dr. Beakey, he, he quotes um, William Barstow, another Puritan who wrote this. The promises are instrumental in the coming of Christ and the soul together. They are the warrant by which faith is emboldened to come to him and take hold of him. 
But the union which faith makes is not between a believer and the promise, but between a believer and the Christ of the promise. So we don't want the promises only, we want the Christ behind the promises. Um, Barstow then, he goes on and gives this illustration from uh, Genesis 46. And he says that when, when Joseph was in command in Egypt and he he sent the chariots of Pharaoh to go and bring his father, Jacob, back and his brothers to Egypt. And Barstow says that when that happened, and they went to pick, pick up Jacob and his brothers, Jacob didn't, didn't look at the chariots and say, man, look at these things. Like They're so well built, they're sturdy, they're ornate, they're beautiful. I love these chairs. Man, I'm going to, I think I'm just going to stay right here and kind of, kind of ride around a little bit and enjoy these things. They're nice. No, the, the chariots of Pharaoh were a means to get Jacob to his son, Joseph. That's what he was after. Seeing and greeting Joseph and having their relationship restored after so long. So in the same way, the promises of God are not the goal. Union with Christ and enjoying Him is. The third implication that we see tonight. For the promises of God on, on our experience of assurance is that the Christ-centeredness of personal assurance is accented in God's promises. And, and so that, that's the thing. Our, our assurance is not based on our own merit, or, or what we've done, but rather on the perfect merit of Christ and what He has done in our place for us. Edward Reynolds wrote this, Jesus Christ Himself is the sum, the fountain, the seal, the treasury of all the promises of God. All the promises are made in Christ being purchased by His merits. They're all performed in Christ. They're all administered by His power and office for the promises. The promises are the rays and the beams that come from Christ the Son of Righteousness in whom they are all founded and all established. So that every promise apprehended by faith carries a man to Christ and to the consideration of our unity with Him in the right whereof we have claim to the promise. So it's not about us. It's all about Him. And the final point that we want to look at tonight is that, that all of those subjective phenomena like the, the inward evidences of grace, which again they're important. We're going to look at them but it's not primary. Those things that, that may, they may sometimes feel more real than faith in God's promises. However, such experiences give less glory to God than divine promises apprehended directly by faith. Anthony Burgess said it this way, Trusting in God and in Christ when we feel nothing but guilt and destruction in ourselves, is the greatest honor we can give to God. 
Therefore, the, the living by signs and evidences of faith in us is more comfortable to us. Right? We like feelings. We like experiences. We like evidence that we can see. However, living by faith is a greater honor to God. It is a greater honor when we place all of our hope and our trust in Him because He is faithful. Dr. Beakey then closes out this session with, with one last illustration from the, uh, the, the classic book, The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. And the book's an allegory of, of the Christian life. So all of the characters and all of the places that, that the characters go, they represent, represent something in the spiritual life. Um, the main character, Christian, is traveling on this path to the celestial city. And so it represents a believer working through life uh, of sanctification on their way to heaven. And, he, and, and John Bunyan goes through and he, he details a lot of different things that, that believers experience and, and what they go through and um, how to handle those things with the word uh, throughout this book. And along the path, as Christian is traveling on this path, he comes to a place called Doubting Castle. Doubting Castle. And while in Doubting Castle, castle um, he, is, he is captured, he's placed in a cage, and he's beaten almost to death by this giant named Despair. So this giant Despair is just mercilessly beating Christian. And he locks him up and he's, he's leaving and he's walking away. And, and as, as despair leaves, he promises Christian that he'll be back the next day to kill him. He's going to kill him. And in the night, as Christian is there, he, he remembers that in his pocket he has the key of promise. And with that key, then he's able to open every lock in Doubting Castle and to escape from the giant despair. Like we've talked about tonight, these promises that we find in God's Word about who He is and what He's done. So promises are, are an incredible thing to, to be remembered and to be trusted and to be the foundation of our assurance of faith. And so next time we'll, we'll come back and we'll take a closer look at the, the evidences of grace as this secondary and kind of subjective ground of our assurance. So let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we, we're thankful that, that you have given us the ability to have assurance that we are, in fact, children of God. That we are in you. Father, that you are our God. So Lord, I pray that as we go, we will meditate on these things and think through them. Father, that we would seek for the assurance and confidence. Lord, that gives peace and joy in this life, knowing we are in you. United to Christ. 
So, Father, we pray you'll be with us as we go. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name.